Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. We have another very special guest today. Welcome, John Sanderfer, to the Run for God Run Club podcast. It's great to be here, Dean. It's just awesome. Man, it's good. It's 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 so cool to have folks come in and uh, and get to know folks. What what people don't know is you and I have only talked for a little bit before this, right? Yeah. So we're going to kind of get to know each other even through the podcast. Absolutely. Which, yeah. which is kind of cool. So. Uh, all right, so John is going to share his own personal story with you today. Um, he's going to tell you why your why matters, um, and it certainly does. And, and then I'm going to share a story about persistence. Have you ever given up on something? Well, I'll show you that even when obstacles look insurmountable, there may still be great things on the other side and a path to get to, to those things. So... Um, so tell us where you're from. Tell everybody out there where you're from and, uh, and you know, what you do and all that good stuff. Sure, Dean. I'm, I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. I uh, live on James Island right there on the south side of the, the Charleston Harbor. Beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, of course, I'm biased to that. I, I yeah. love the, the water and the coast. Um, I can testify. It's beautiful out <laughs> it, there. It's nice. Uh, I, uh, I am the financial controller for a little manufacturing company. We make uh, components of transmissions and turbochargers for automobiles and, and large trucks. Uh, as I like to say, we make pieces of car parts. So uh, um, that's what I do for work. I have a, a, an adult son and a 15-year-old daughter. And, uh, and one of my hobbies, I, I like to play guitar a little bit. I, I'm so blessed I get to play in my uh, church praise band and uh, it, just a rhythm guitar. I get to play with some amazing musicians while I just try to keep up with these guys. So, <laughs> so that's, uh, I guess, a little snippet of my life there. Yeah, that's great. So your daughter in high school, I guess? Yes, yes, and freshman. She's freshman? Yep. Very good, very good. And uh, does she play any sports? She's not big in sports. No, no. no. She's she's much more of the bookworm, you know, oh, a bit. Okay. So, so those... good student, uh, uh, bright, bright girl. Yeah, yeah. She might try cross country. You know, I, my cross country team at the college. My the, we we're having this discussion the other day. The coaches uh, in our athletic department were having this discussion, and because of COVID, a lot of people have gotten their year of eligibility back that they kind of lost from like this last year. And so they're talking about how they're going to spread this out over five years and that all of these people are going to be there for five years and they're going to use their, their full athletic eligibility. And I look at them all, I'm like, I coach girls cross country. They don't, they're not going to be here five years. They, <laughs> I've got some that are going to graduate in three years because they're all smart. Yeah. So smart people seem to make good runners. Yeah. So uh, she might try it. <laughs> How about a Facebook post for this week? This week, I, I thought I would share this Facebook post for a couple of reasons, and we'll share that in just a minute. It's from Mitchell. Um, of course, everybody knows who Mitchell is, but I thought the post was, was something that I, I'd like to share. So he titled it, Sweat Stains and Tempo Runs. Have you had problems hitting your runs? How about that tempo run? <laughs> yeah, me too. Let me encourage you. 
It's been a couple of years since I've run tempo pace. Why? Because while it's not one of the most ben excuse me, let me put my glasses on. Because while it's one of the most <laughs> my computer's doing funny things. Because while it's one of the most beneficial runs you can do, it just stinks. It hurts and plays tricks on your mind. Of the three tempo runs prescribed thus far, I haven't hit one yet without slowing down beyond my pace before it was over. Until today. Did I get faster? Nope. Did something magical happen? Nope. I just lucked up by showing up at the track when a friend who is much faster was finishing up. I told him what I was doing, and he said he'd go with me. This is one of those friends, you know the ones, the kind that will call you names if you start slowing down. So instead of slowing down, I increased my pace and finished 30 seconds faster. Sometimes you just need the right motivation. Sometimes you just have to be motivated by success instead of pain. Sometimes you just have to keep your friend quiet, especially when his name is Dean Thompson. Keep running, run club, and find the right motivation. <laughs> that was a good run. That was, it, was, it was fun to, to help out. I love to help people through their running goals, and, and that was, uh, it's always fun to do those kinds of things. So um, I was glad to help him, but he's right. I'd give him a hard time if he slowed down, and he, uh, he didn't. So he did, he did a nice job. So have you done the tempo runs? You know, I, I've been doing tempo runs. I've been on a little different schedule with uh, leading up to a race my, myself, but I'm going to yeah. kind of rejoin you guys' path on the, the Couch to Marathon later on as we, we go forward. But I love tempo runs. You know, do you? They, I do. They, you know, they're tough, but, but man, they make me feel alive. You know, yeah. it just, it just get, get pumping. Yeah, there's nothing like a tempo run that just you kind of just get into that rhythm and it and it feels good to push yourself. And Absolutely, I, I love those days when that happens. I've seen all the posts about tempo runs. There's some big victories out there. We've seen some people that have been really excited about those tempo runs and have done some things they never thought they would do. I saw some people with their mile time trial too that said they they ran faster than they thought they could. Um, you know what was so awesome about this situation with Mitchell was that. Oftentimes, Mitchell looked at this as, well, I happen to be there to help him. But I also wanted to run a few extra miles that day. And so he was, he was helping me as well. And I think we find that all the time. We find it with Run for God instructors. Somebody becomes an instructor to help other people, and they realize that they're the ones being helped oftentimes. Uh, so he, he was definitely helping me too. And it's that way with a lot of things. The minister is often the one being ministered to. Right? That is correct. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah. We see that all the time. Um, and don't forget this. When, when you don't allow somebody to help you, then you're depriving them of the opportunity to help. And I know that a lot of times we're like, no, 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 I want to do it on my own. And we don't want to burden somebody. But often that thing that we think is a burden to somebody is actually a blessing to them. Right? And so... Uh, and I'll talk about that a little more, just being, you know, getting yeah. outside of yourself and, and reaching out to others. I mean, you, and, and as you say, you're denying people, aren't you, with, yep. uh, with, with not letting them, them help. Goes right along with your story, doesn't it? It does. The trivia question from last week. There is a guy who pulled, pulled off what many st still be, may be the most amazing performance in any track and field event ever in the 1968 Olympics. He was a long jumper and a triple jumper. Name him and what he did at the 1968 Olympics, including what made it so amazing. And so 
The answer is Bob Beeman. Did you know this answer? I did not, no. You did not. Okay. Most people don't pay attention to, to long jump and uh, field events. and They're not a geek like me. But if you saw, if you were around and saw the 1968 Olympics, this one could not have escaped you because it was so amazing. People today still call things Beeman-esque when they do something really outstanding and amazing uh, because of Bob Beeman and what he did in the 1968 Olympics. And the story behind it is just amazing. So in, in Mexico City in 1968, where, uh, quite frankly, there were a lot of interesting storylines. This was just one of them. Um, it, he almost didn't even make it into the finals. What a lot of people don't know about that particular jump, because people have seen that jump, but what people don't know is he almost didn't make it to that jump because the way that it works in the Olympics is you get three jumps to make it to the finals. They take the, the best, I think, eight into the finals. And you've got to be one of those top eight jumps in those first three jumps to make it to your next three jumps. And so he scratched on his first two jumps. And what scratch means is that something went wrong. You stepped over the line or, uh, you know, something happened that, that the, the jump wasn't legal. And so that happened two times. And so he gets to his third jump. It's his final jump. He has no choice. He has to have a good jump. And so... He, he does. He goes and he actually remeasures his steps. He starts a little bit further back so that he would start well behind the board and he wouldn't risk stepping his foot over the, the board. And um, so he jumped a little less than he would have had he had his steps correct. But he just wanted to get into the finals. And so that's what he did. Um, he talked with his friend Ralph Boston, who is actually, was actually his coach at the time and was a competitor at the same time. Ralph Boston actually finished third in these Olympics. Um, so he's facing not only Ralph Boston, um, but, uh, another guy named, I, I can't, I can't, I don't know if I can pronounce this right. Igor Terovanesian from Russia. Um, they were actually co-world record holders. The world record was 8.35 meters or 27 feet, four and three quarter inches for most of us here in the United States. So get that in your mind, okay? 27 feet, four and three quarter inches. That's what the world record was at the time. And then Beeman comes up there on his first jump into this, the, the second round there, and he jumps so far that the measuring device couldn't measure his jump. Um, the rail, there's a rail, this, this thing ran along a rail, and it ran out of rail before it could measure <laughs> to where it needed to measure. So they had to wait, and they waited, and they waited. And so they wait a full 20 minutes before the distance is announced. Now, why it took 20 minutes, I have no idea. It's really not that hard to bring a tape measure out and just and measure it with a tape measure. But apparently it wasn't what they were doing, so this was out of the ordinary, and so they wanted to make sure they got it right. And so they, they, they finally, after 20 minutes, he's just kind of walking back and forth, and they announced it. And, of course, it was given as a metric measurement, and it was 8.90 meters. Well, he was from the United States. Bob Beeman didn't really understand metric measurement that much. He knew it was really good, but 8.90 meters didn't really register it in his mind until somebody told him that he had just jumped 29 feet, 2.5 inches. Nobody had even jumped 27.5 feet at this point, and he jumps over 29 feet. It's just absolutely incredible that somebody could advance a world record by that much. 
he actually, when they announced it and he realized how far it was, he collapsed and couldn't stand up. They were trying to pick him up, and his legs wouldn't hold him because he was just completely overcome by what he had just done. And that record held until 1991, so it held for 13 years. And I remember watching in 1991 that battle between, it was Mike Powell and Carl Lewis. I was a huge Carl Lewis fan. Carl Lewis was just, to me, Carl Lewis is track and field, right? And so Carl Lewis is there, and I'm rooting for Carl Lewis. And Carl Lewis comes in, and he jumps 29 two and a half. So he jumps past the world record. But it didn't count as a world record because it was wind-aided. If the wind is, is traveling at more than two meters per second, then that means that it's not legal and it was traveling at like three meters per second. And so it didn't count, but he went into the lead. And then Mike Powell comes up and jumps 8.95 meters, which turned out to be 29 feet, four and a half inches. And it was legal, um, which is, again, amazing that the two did that in the same meet because since then the last olympics the the distance that won the long jump was about 27 and a half feet still a foot and a half below but behind where the world record is and it, it's it's just that's just crazy um so bob beeman still holds the second longest legal jump in history and it it's it's just the most incredible single performance in sports history, in my opinion, of any sport. I just, and I know I'm a, I'm a track geek, and so maybe that's part of the reason I look at it that way, but just that idea that somebody could do that much better than anybody else. Um, at a point where the, 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 the long jump had fully evolved. It wasn't like the high jump. You know, at one time, the high jump, they went from one particular way of doing the high jump to what they call the Fosbury flop, and the Fosbury flop revolutionized it, and the, the high jump got a lot higher. That wasn't what happened here. Long jump hasn't changed. They were doing the same thing. He just jumped that far. So um, it was crazy. Anyway, he goes on. He gets a college degree, did a lot of work with youth, especially disadvantaged youth. He came from an area in Queens that was not the, the best neighborhood, and so it was neat to see him come back from a, a troubled area and to make a big impact not only in sports, but to go back and make a difference with people um, who grew up in the same circumstances that he did. Um, he became a track coach, and he was a graphic designer. Um, and if you ever want to check it out, go and look look it up. You can find the jump all over YouTube. And You uh, know, I haven't seen your notes. I, I looked up that video last night, and yeah. just uh, it's an amazing jump. It really is. And, 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 you know, he gets up after the jump and just, like, dancing around to kind of, you know, you could see he knew he did something pretty well, but, but nothing like, you know, came out to be. And when they finally told him what he'd done, he just fell, like I said, you know, collapsed and, yeah. and couldn't get up. Amaz amazing feat right there. Did, in the video, did you see the part afterwards after he realized how far he had jumped? Did they yeah, yeah, where, where he just fell down and he, yeah. they, they were trying to pick him up and could yeah. not, he, he just, he was putting his hands over his face and just, uh, just, just was overwhelmed, I guess, you know. Yeah, just, just amazing, just amazing. So, all right, so if you're out there and you're doing the Couch to Marathon program and you're, you're kind of doing the the marathon to marathon program, right? Right. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the 10K portion is progressing well. I'm seeing a lot of good posts out there. People are doing well. Uh, people are keeping up. There are some still that are struggling to get in some of these tougher workouts, and they're doing some of those feel good runs that we've talked about, and that's fine. 
Um, we've had a lot of folks ask questions about the Hill workouts and how they, they work, but, but it's progressing well. And it's so fun to see people doing stuff, again, just pushing that boundary a little bit further as we go. So, uh, and then we have folks that are out there, they're just happy to be out there walking. And that's great, too. That is fantastic, too, because you're doing something good for yourself. And that's important. So we're a very diverse group. Um, we haven't heard anything from Disney. If you're still waiting to hear from us about Disney, we haven't heard anything as of the time that we're, we're doing this right now. Hopefully, we, maybe we hear something by the time this actually airs. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, but we'll see. Um, we're, we're, but we're checking very closely if you're interested in that. Um, all right. So J Radio is our sponsor. Remember that there is a Run for God channel on J Radio, and you can see the playlist. And as I understand it, my playlist is the most popular playlist from the Run for God playlist. And so um, you've made me look like I, I, I listen to good music, and I appreciate that. So go out there and listen to J Radio. As a mom, I want to make sure we choose a cereal that's not entirely derived from sugar. Their car seats have to be nationally CPS certified, and their first car has to have every possible safety feature known to man. I just want to do my best to make sure that they're safe. One thing I don't have to worry about is the content they hear on J-Radio. Not only do they love the music, but I know it's only going to be a positive message that I would approve of. Now, if I could just figure out how to get my youngest from sticking everything up his nose. Sign up at jradio.com and download the new J-Radio app in your app store. All right, so we're back, and you can send messages to dean at runforgod.com if you've got questions. And I know some of you do because I hear from you, and I appreciate that, and I'm so glad to answer those questions. Um, if you don't know about us, if you just happened up on this podcast, you don't know about us, go to runforgod.com or runforgodrunclub.com and become a part of what we're doing because I think we have the greatest group in the world, and I think you'll agree once you check into it. And we want you to share your story. We have a gentleman right here that is in our studio that is going to share his story. And I'm telling you, it's a great story. I've already read it. You're going to love it. And we would love your story, too. So get out there and write that story and send it to us so we can use it on this podcast. And maybe if you have the means, like John does, to get here, you can come and share with us personally, because um, this is really exciting. So what, what? how long was your drive today? Was it six hours? About six hours from Charleston, yeah. Six hours. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so was it, that's a, I'm trying to think of that drive. It's not too bad. No, it was, you know, and I, I drove in the evening, so, you know, traffic lightened up, and, and it wasn't yeah. bad. Good, good cruise, and I, you know, yeah. I like to listen to podcasts and things yeah. that, you know, fill up the time, and uh, it wasn't bad. It was, it was, it was a good little drive. No rain? Uh, no rain. Good. So it was nice and clear. Good. Because so. there certainly has been rain in the, in the area recently. Yeah. I just yeah. had a, a situation with one of the teams that I coach, the high school team, and, it would the lightning wouldn't stop, and like we we would wait and it would get past us and then there'd be one lightning bolt, one just one, but we couldn't start. You know, I'm not I'm not putting kids at risk, and we finally it finally got to the point. I said, you guys are just going to, have to do this. The lightning's going to go eventually. 
you guys are just going to do it on your own. And they all got in the car and they drove to another school. And by the time they got there, it, lightning had stopped and they got went out, went out and got their workout in. So I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, couldn't be there for it. <laughs> but there's been a lot of rain in our area. So you're going to talk about your, your why and relate that to our why, right? Yeah, it's a little story called uh, The Why Matters. All right. And this is John Sandifer. Y'all check it out. My relationship with running has been, for most of my life, a tumultuous one. In and out, here and there, committed for a little while, then periods apart, long periods apart. I was always enamored with the thought of losing pounds and getting fit, but I never was willing to put in the real work to stay at it for long. So running remained just my fallback to feel active from time to time. Finally, as I was approaching 40 years of age and feeling the years ticking by, I decided to get serious. I worked hard, I dropped weight, and I even ran my first half marathon. I would go on to run several more halves, and then at 41 years old, I actually trained for and completed a full marathon. Yay me, I am awesome. My exclamation there spiced with a bit of sarcasm. Because my relationship with running during this time in my life was not nearly as healthy as it seemed on the surface. If you're listening to this story, you apparently have heard of the Run for God program. Well, during this time, I was on the Run for Me program. You see, running wasn't only my avenue to getting fit. It was my escape from my fallen career, my deteriorating marriage, and my collapsing finances. My self-centered and self-controlled world that was losing its control. Instead of putting work and energy into these deficient areas of my life, I ran, literally and figuratively. I retreated into myself, hoping the rest of my problems would simply fix themselves. I ran for me. I was my why. By the time I ran my full marathon, my wife and I were separated to later be divorced. And I was starting the process of filing for bankruptcy after a failed business venture collapsed the house of cards that was my finances. Obviously, my problems did not fix themselves. So after completing the marathon, my why was empty because, well, I was empty. With no why that mattered, I stopped running altogether and I fell into a deep, dark abyss. During this period of darkness, my other unhealthy, lifelong relationship took over, that with my mistress called alcohol. I had always used alcohol in an unhealthy way as another escape, but during this time, it really took over my life. Sure, I continued to move forward in some form, plotting away at my job, and even getting engaged to a woman who actually saw something positive in me. But nothing could satisfy me like the draw of the drink and I eventually sabotaged that relationship, ending the engagement. And then I sabotaged my chance to rebuild my career and was kindly asked to leave my job. There is another side to this story to this point, however, that I have not yet touched on, and that is the story of the light that kept peeking through the darkness here and there despite my constant missteps. Mm. I look back now and I know that God was working in the background even though I was continually sabotaging myself. Now, my relationship with God throughout most of my life had also been a rocky one. I grew up in church and had two wonderful parents that modeled the Christian walk. But as an adult, I focused on myself as the controller of my destiny, and I turned my back on God, proclaiming myself an agnostic and even at times an atheist. 
I was not only misguided, I was truly lost. In the depths of the valley where my marriage was lost, my financial world was decimated, and my life felt like a crushing defeat, there was a night where something changed. As I was worked up in my depression late that evening, I cried out to the heavens in an emotionally charged rant, yelling, why God, I cannot take this. Then as I wept and I wallowed in my misery, something seemingly small yet profound happened. A notion began to slowly well up inside of me that everything was going to be okay. That despite the current excruciating circumstances, everything was going to be all right in the end. That night, the God I didn't even think was there to hear me showed up and nudged me with a touch of hope. Mm. Now, this touch of hope was not some dramatic revelation or some sudden transport to a wonderful life. No, I still traversed much darkness and made many of the missteps I alluded to earlier. But that touch did grab my attention, and it started a slow process of turning myself back toward God. After so many years away from it, I felt compelled to open my Bible and get to know the Word of God. I was sparked to visit my old church. I started to look upward a little bit and asking God if He was really there. Then the lady I would become engaged to invited me to the church she was attending, and eventually I went. I went again. And then I started to look forward to going back every Sunday. God was surely working in me, even as I kept stumbling. It was yet a rocky road as I continued to wrestle with my addiction to alcohol and with my strong will to live life under my control. Finally, after three years of quote-unquote quitting drinking, including two times ending up in the ER, I finally laid down my own control and I surrendered to God. It was in this surrender that God led me to step outside of myself and actually lean on others he put in my path, the church that I had become involved in, the small group that had become family, the Christian recovery group that became my support, friends and family that had always wanted to help all along, if only I would let them, and yes, even professionals in alcoholism and counseling. And now, as of this recording today, it has been three years, two months, and one day since my last drink. Mm. I pray by the grace of God that I will never again pick up that cup that for so long held such power over me. The next couple of years since were filled with tremendous growth and recovery, and to make a long story short, my life was radically transformed from living in constant struggle to living each day in God's peace. Despite all this, though, I was still physically living an unhealthy lifestyle. I had hardly run at all in years, and instead I let food fill certain voids. I packed on the pounds, and I was completely out of shape. A little over a year ago, as, as COVID brought on a period of challenges and isolation, it would have been so easy to pick back up a cup and escape. Instead, God offered me his cup, and he called me to run. This time, I decided, I would not run for purely selfish reasons. Certainly there are some, like vanity, fitness, seeking personal purpose, that are all a part of it. But I would focus primarily on rebuilding this temple and inviting Jesus to fill it with his presence. This time I would run for God and with God. This time my why would be different. Now over the past year, God has used running to keep my spirits lifted during challenging times, to keep me focused on a goal and a plan instead of the valley 
to lead me back to good health and good shape, losing 40 pounds in the process, and to immerse me more and more in his peace with every run. My run time nowadays is prayer time, meditation time, and spiritual connection time. Besides becoming more physically, mentally, and spiritually fit, I've had side effects like becoming more focused at my job, more, more deliberate as a father, and more humble as a friend. I've continued to dig deeper into His Word, and I have learned so much about God's grace, love, and mercy. My relationship with my Savior has grown exponentially. As I progressed in making running an integral part of these different facets of life, a marathon again became my goal to celebrate the transformation God has made in me. And on May 1st, I did it. I crossed the finish line at the Myrtle Beach Marathon, not far up the road from my home in Charleston, South Carolina. Sure enough, I pridefully went out too fast in the beginning, and I humbly crawled through the end. I am still very much a work in progress. But through prayer and leaning on His strength, I made it to 26.2. I reached that finish line in tears, tears of pain, yes, but mostly tears of joy at the wondrous work God has done in my life, for I have been remade. Truly, I am alive in His grace, and I have gone from sloth to fit through His strength and mercy. I am overwhelmed by our mighty and loving Father. But now what? When I finished that first marathon over seven years ago, I fell right off the wagon and into deep darkness. But that time I was running solely for me, and there was no more me to have faith in. This time, however, I run for God, and my faith in Him is boundless and overflowing. This time, the marathon is just a step on my journey, a journey to exactly where and how far I do not know yet, but I know that I won't stop here that I have quite a journey ahead running for God and with God. Every step ahead has purpose. Every mile has meaning. And every breath draws me closer to Him. You see, this time, the why matters. Wow. What a, what a great story. Um, and, and I am sure there's a lot of people who will hear this and can relate to that whether it be alcohol or something else that that takes over because it's there there's other things you substitute the word alcohol for other things right we've we've all seen those the the struggle is is still the struggle that's right yeah the myrtle beach marathon you know i won that marathon one time really back in 2013 no Um, way yeah yeah that was my fastest marathon i'd ever run nice and flat yes it is (laughs) flat it is very very flat and it's fun to run because you run along, you know, you get some on the beach there and not on the beach, but, but, but near it, yeah, but near yeah. it. And it's a great, uh, yeah, it's a great, great marathon. Um, yeah. It's, so you lost 40 pounds. Yeah. Uh, that's tremendous. That's uh, the difference in the way you feel is amazing, I guess. Absolutely amazing. It is a totally just I, I, I look back and I just I feel like a different person. Yeah. So. Yeah. This whole idea of control. Um, and there always being God working in the background is is one that I think anybody who's honest with themselves, who struggles with anything, probably at some point feels that, but they don't acknowledge it. And I wonder, did you acknowledge that in the moment, or did you acknowledge that after you look back and went, oh, yeah, 
I see where God was there. It was really more later, you yeah. know, looking back and realizing, you know, look, that that wasn't me. I mean, I was in the yeah. in the depths, and and I had lost hope in everything, and and the only thing I had faith in was myself. Yeah. And once I lost faith in myself, I had nothing until until hope yeah. arrived. That's awesome. First question: Have you ever had a time in your life where your why was not a healthy one and led to darkness? If so, how did your why eventually change? <laughs> of course, that's exactly how Run for God started. You know, your your story sounds a little bit like Mitchell's story. Um, you know, his, his was a, a a little bit different, but you know, he started Run for God because running had become an idol, and somebody pointed that out to him, and he decided he needed to run for a different reason, um, and. Again, I didn't realize myself how self-absorbed I was until I went to a Run for God race. And I, I saw the cheers for that last person finishing, and I thought, I've never really considered that last person finishing. I've just always finished, and I finish, again, not, I don't, not, not to brag, but I'm finishing early, and I don't think about the other people that are still out there on the course that are struggling way longer than I did. I never really gave them any thought. And this gave me a whole new perspective on running and the, the, where, where I could fit in the grand scheme of things as far as running goes. Yeah, you know, for me, stepping out of myself, my self-absorbed self like, yeah. like that, it, it really was everything to me. You know, I, I used to think that I had every answer I needed right here between these two years, right? I didn't need to go anywhere else for, for anything. But, but once I hit the, the real bottom and could find no more answers in, in that uh, empty well, um, you know, I, I, I finally started to reach out not only to God directly, but to the other you know, people and resources he had around me. And that, that really a paradigm shift from relying on my own self to relying on God and to, to others around me. That, was, that, that really changed my entire life. Yeah, yeah, it's just awesome. John eight twelve says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I, of course, I love the references to light. We've talked about it on this podcast a number of times. Because it was such a clear picture of who Jesus is. You know, you can't have darkness and light together. You just have light. And if there's darkness and you put light in it, it becomes light. And... I, I love that, all the references in the Bible to Jesus being the light of the world. And uh, I just think that's and, and And that uh, following him, you won't see the darkness, right? You, you yeah. won't walk in darkness there. And I think that certainly with, with following, if you, you really are a follower of Jesus, you'll find a why that leads to, to light and leads to him, right? Instead of, uh, like me, it was my, when I was following myself, I was led into darkness. Yeah, you know? yeah. And we find out that we have strengths. And in my case, um, I realized people asked me a lot. All the, you know, when I was, before I, I became part of Run for God, people would ask me questions about running-related things all the time. Because, well, you, you must know the secrets because you run fast. You know, that's kind of the way people look, look at me. And so I had opportunities, but I wasn't sharing Christ in those opportunities. I was answering questions. Um, and, and I've realized that in everything that we do, um, we can reflect that light, even when it's just answering a question about running shoes. And uh, good for you to, for, to have figured that out. 
Second question, have you ever cried out to God in sorrow or argued with God? <laughs> Anyone who tells me they haven't argued with God are either not truthful yeah. or they didn't realize that they were struggling with God in the moment uh, because we've all done that, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, how many people question God and his motives, um, but it's, it's disguised as something else? Um, who among us has not wondered why bad things happen to good people, for example? You know, we, we've all heard that question. We've pondered that question, and we don't understand it. Um, but when we do that, we're arguing with God because we're saying to God, you messed up because you had a bad, let a bad thing happen to a good person. And so we're, 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 in a sense, arguing with God when we ask, why do bad things happen to good people? Because very often we find out, um, in my case, I've shared my story before about losing a job. I thought that was the end of the world. I thought that was a terrible thing. I got to a point that was pretty low, only to realize God had better plans. Um, and, and it's... Yeah. But in that moment, it was a bad thing happening to a good person in my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's not what really happened, right? Right. So, uh, yeah, we think we're smart enough to diagnose things and take the moral high ground when God has the ultimate moral high ground. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> who are we to think we're smarter than God? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like you said, we, we all at some point argue with God, and, and uh, we, we have that, that, that wrestling match at, at some point. Um, and I think that, that when we, we do so, we need to open ourselves up to the actual resolution, to listening to God. And, you know, it, it's something that, that I you know, try to, I struggle with, you know, to actually, okay, okay, quit arguing and listen. And, you know, there was a time just recently with me where, you know, I, I wanted to get involved into this certain ministry in a big way, in a big way. And, you know, I was, I just, just had this, you know, it was a long shot, but it was, it was a, this, this thing I wanted to do. And it was, it was uh, in my mind and, but it wasn't to be, it wasn't, did not work out and, and, you know, went different direction. And so I, I felt myself arguing with God, right, about it, that, hey, haven't you been preparing me for something like this? Haven't, you know, I've been on a path or I've been, you know, heading towards something like, like this. But when I cooled down and, and finally listened, I, I heard quite clearly that, you know, I wasn't ready and he had other plans for me and those plans would come in time, yeah. you know? And then you know what happens a week later? Is all of a sudden I'm, I'm heading on the road six hours to share my story out here with you, Dean. You know, it's, <laughs> I, God's God's going to use me in some way if I just trust Him, right? Yeah. If I just if I just surrender and trust Him, and that's the hard part, right? Because we, as you mentioned, and we talked about control, yeah. and we all want to control where we're going because God does give us agency too. That's one of the things that that sometimes is really difficult because God gives us agency. He gives us the idea that we can do things. He gives us choice. And choice comes with, okay, I, I need to take an action, and that action is one way or the other. And so I think that's where we get this idea of control. It's not always that we want to get in God's way. It's that we, we know that we're supposed to do things, and God wants us to do things. He wants us to take action. It's hard sometimes to figure out when to let go and when to keep, keep going. Psalms 18 uh, 18.6 and then 16 through 17. In my distress, I called out to the, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. 
He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me. Again, that's exactly what you just talked about. Yeah, that's what, you know, later on when I read this psalm, Psalm 18, you know, I was like, that that, that was me. I, I, I cried out to God, and, and he picked me up and he rescued me. You know, yeah. it, just, just, it just struck me. Just like he did to the Israelites, yeah. right, over and yeah. over again in the Bible. Um, when we true, the, 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 the answer here is, because I talk to folks who are atheists and don't, they don't understand this concept. We have to be truly crying out to God. It, it has to come from the heart. It can't be, okay, I know there's a God out there and he's, he's going to help me. It's, God, I need help. It needs to come from the heart, not from up here. Because up, up here isn't going to help. And I'm pointing to my head mm-hmm. if you're listening <laughs> to the podcast. Uh, another question. Have you ever struggled to keep from running away from problems just wanting to, ex- to escape? And how has leaning on God allowed you to face instead of flee? I, I can tell you something that was... Um, It's, it's a little bit funny now, but it wasn't funny in the day. Um, I remember a time when I was in school, when I was, it was elementary school, I was very young. My mother was a substitute teacher. And I used to, whenever the, whenever the, the, the seat got hot and I was getting myself into trouble, I would run out of the classroom and run to wherever my mother was as if she was going to protect me from the teacher, right? Um, but it's, I, I look at it like this. My mother wasn't God. The teacher was God, right? And I'm running away like we can run away from God and run to some, some spot somewhere, whether it's alcohol or pornography or anything, anything that you run to. It, running. It can mm-hmm. be running. That you run to to get away from God uh, is not good. And... Um, you know, one thing I I keep working on is the change of attitude from, you know, I got this to God's got this. Because yeah. when I got this, I I, I always stumble and I, I, I escape somewhere, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. The, the truth is, in my, in my, my illustration, the teacher's going to have their way, right? Right. Eventually. Yeah. That's what's going to – teacher's going to have their way, whether I want to go along with it or not. God's going to have his way with us, too. Whether we want to go along with it or not. And when we go along with it, it goes way better for us. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Joshua 1.9, my favorite. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is on the bottom of my emails. Yeah, I noticed that after when you emailed me back after I sent this to you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's my, it's my favorite. And you know what my favorite part of that verse is? It's the first sentence. Have I not commanded you? Because I am so hard-headed, and I don't listen. You talked about listening a minute yeah. ago. I'm so bad at listening. And, and I know that, and I'm getting better. By God's grace, I'm getting better. But I like that. 
Hey, bonehead, knocking on the head, you know. Have I not commanded you? I've already told you. Yeah, you know, this, this is the third time in that chapter where God says, be strong and courageous. You know, it, it, it's, it follows up after Deuteronomy where, you know, Moses dies and in, in, in preparing Joshua. And, you know, how the heck do you, you follow up Moses, right? So you yeah. can understand that feeling. But but he's like, you know, listen, 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 be strong and courageous. Three times. This is the third time. So hard-headed for sure. And, I, you know, I certainly am one of those that got to hear it over and over like that myself so it, but we really need to remember that that uh, god is surely there wherever we go uh, yeah you know? yeah and I, i'm going to share a story after after your story about being strong and courageous and so we're going to we're going to play on that theme a little bit more here in, in just a few minutes um one more question what does god's peace mean to you of course mitchell and i have talked about peace a lot lately we've that's been something that I think originally it was on his mind, and the more he talks about it, the more I, I started thinking about it. And um, to me, peace is when you know when you know God's got it, when you know you're in His will. Um, and if you if you've never been there, you can't describe it to people. That's a really hard thing to do when you're witnessing and you're trying to explain to somebody what Christ has done in your life. It's so hard. All you can say is, I have this peace, and they can't quite understand it. But man, the first time you experience it, oh my goodness, it's amazing. It's just amazing. Absolutely. It's like this warm, safe place where it's almost like you feel like, you know, even if something bad happened to me, it would be okay. It, It wouldn't matter because God's got everything taken care of from here on out. Yeah, you know, it's that right there that confidence in my faith that that i think was kind of that yeah. that turning point for me to to peace that knowing that nothing that the world throws me to today you know can change the end of the story you yeah. know that uh, god that that it's in his hands he's he's got it yeah john 14:27 says peace i leave with you my peace i give you i do not give you i do not give to you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid uh I like the uh, that verse and and what comes after it because he's telling them, Jesus is telling them he's going away, uh, and it, that although he's going to be gone, they need to have peace with the fact that he's gone, and that good things are going to continue to happen. Um, so what happens when Jesus goes away? Well, they all freak out. It's the same thing that we do. Right. You know, we know that God is there, and yet when, when the pressure is on, when things aren't going our way, we start acting as if God wasn't there yesterday. And he was right there doing these amazing things for us yesterday. But today, because things are tough, we forgot that, right? <laughs> we're so bad. Um, he's telling us directly to our face, and we're kind of ignoring it. Uh, today is no different than it was then and um, you know we just need to get to the bottom line of if if God is telling me then I need to believe it you know and and that that I don't know why that's so hard for us to do but it is it's really hard it's that it's that surrender right giving giving it up to God yes yeah and then finally, John sixteen thirty three says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And you just mentioned it. That's the end of the story. And we know what the end of the story is because it's already been written. So, Yeah, so, you know, I, 
of course, that, that was a big part of my story is that, that change to, to peace from, from struggle. And, and I tell you, everything in my life, in that old life, was, was struggle. Even when I felt like I was on top of the world, I was struggling to keep it or, you know, mm-hmm. everything just, just, just was struggling. When I was trying to quit drinking, it was a struggle. It was that, uh, some people talk about the white knuckles, you know, just, just struggling the whole, in, in, until that final uh, surrender. And, and I tell you, uh, man, things are so different when you can have an eternal perspective and, and that eternal perspective gives you the ability to, to live in that peace today. And, and I tell you, Dean, I, I do want to say something to, you know, anybody that's out there that's, that is in that struggle right now, um, to, to know that hope is there. Mm-hmm. Hope is real. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this hope is not a dream or a wish. It's an assurance of purpose, a seed of faith, a confidence that everything is going to end up okay, that God does win in the end. Yeah. Um, so you, if there's something weighing you down, there's something that, that's, that's just pulling you, you down, if it's sin, if it's regrets in life, shame, some struggle, uh, alcohol like me, we were just talking about that, uh, other drugs, eating, pornography, greed, gossiping, heck, even coveting your neighbor's boat. <laughs> you know, I slip and fall and I, I'm there, you know, sometimes. Uh, gluttony. But, I always bring up gluttony. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I'm, I'm one of those too, you know, uh, that's, that's a tough one. But if you're, if you're in that struggle, if you're, if you're struggling, you know, I tell you, do three things. Do three things for me. Look up, pray up, get up. Mm. You know, look up, seek God, reach out, um, figuratively, yes, but but even the physical act of looking up, you know, um, to me, stretching my neck in that way, I, I feel like I'm, I'm reaching out, I'm opening myself up, uh, just looking up and, and seeking God. Uh, pray up, ask if ask if God is even there if you want. I did that. and uh, But pray for his guidance, his healing. Uh, pray every day. Get up movement action do something reach out to somebody people in your church a small group join a small group uh, go to a recovery group meeting reach out to a friend do something for do something for for somebody you know help that neighbor rake his yard go grocery shopping for that elderly couple down the street do something movement action exercise dean here you might suggest a run right yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh but look up, pray up, get up. And I promise over time, you know, your perspective will change. Mine sure did. Um, you, you might not see, you know, some lightning bolt come down and, and all of a sudden rearrange your life in a sudden movement. But you just might be like me and, and you fast forward a few months down the road and look back and say, wow, yeah. there have been some dramatic changes in my life. And with me, then, then a grateful heart will take you to lead, lead you to the next step. And you'll see that doors start to open that you never knew existed. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and with me, heck, another door opened, bring me right here and uh, share the story with you and, and, and to say this. So I guess that's, that's just my, my other message for today. Look up, pray up, get up. Amen. And if you're out there and you don't really understand this whole God thing and you just listen to this podcast, I encourage you to go to www.runforgod.com forward slash peace with God. There's a series of videos there that if you'll watch, you'll gain a little bit better understanding um, and maybe, maybe you'll find exactly what you're looking for. While you're working hard to keep your body in shape physically, the music you listen to while you run can help keep you in shape spiritually. 
We've partnered with J Radio to put together a group of running playlists by Dean, Lane, Holly, myself, and others that you hear here on the Run For God podcast. Plus, you can listen to a playlist put together by members of Run Club just like you. Check out the whole station of Run For God playlist at jradio.com and in the J Radio app. Okay, we're back. Have you ever had to work extra hard for something? You know, something that took years to achieve? I can remember several people that I chased for years. I can remember wanting to beat somebody as a runner for several years and and then finally catching them after missing over and over and over again. And I remember how good that felt. Um, But I had to work steadily for that goal, and I couldn't let up, and I had to keep working for that. Well, this story is kind of one of those things. It's time for Dean's Thoughts, and that's a time when I share something I've written about the intersection between running and faith. And today I'm going to talk about persistence. There is no substitute for not accepting anything less than your best, or in 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 this case, God's best, because our best, God's best, are the same thing. Persistence, it's worth it. Persistence can be easy for a while, but what happens when that persistence stretches into a longer period of time than you had hoped? I saw the result of incredible persistence this weekend. Alex Gass is an athlete at Dalton State. When she was in high school, she ran very fast as a freshman, even breaking 20 minutes for 5K a couple of times. But then her times began to slow. By the time she was a senior, her best cross-country time was 21.50, a full two minutes slower than her time four years prior. To make matters worse, coaches were less than supportive at times, accusing her of not running hard enough. If she would just try harder, she could get back to running those fast times. They thought she was lazy. Looking all of that right in the face, I met, I met with her about running at Dalton State College. I saw the passion for running in her eyes and knew there must be something else going on. But could she have the persistence necessary to continue into college? She chose to keep trying. We found the problem her freshman year. It was a simple fix or at least it always had been in the past for those who had had the same condition, but it would not be a simple solution for Alex. The treatment did not work rapidly like I had seen time after time with other athletes, but she pressed on. Eventually, we found the procedure needed to get her back to where she wanted to be. The results were spectacular. She worked her way back to a sub-25K because working hard had never been her problem. Actually, working hard was all she did, even though the tough, even through the tough years she had experienced. And then, even though she had worked her way back down to a 1902 5K, she had never won a collegiate race. There was always one or two in front of her. I looked at the circumstances in the 5,000-meter run this weekend before the race took place and saw a possibility. There were three ladies in the race with faster times than Alex, but it was clear that she was in a good position to challenge them despite the 10,000-meter run she had run the day before. Twenty minutes before the start time, I looked her in the eyes and I said, 
you can win this race. She believed me, and she won the race by a lot. Halfway through, she just simply ran away from everyone else and finished with a time that was very impressive under the conditions of the day. Alex had persistence. One setback after another stared her in the face. Many people gave up on her, but she never gave up. She was persistent when that's all she knew she could do. That's why she is the Southern States Athletic Conference 2021 5,000-meter run champion. God had plans for Alex. God has plans for all of us. But how many times do we give up because we think things don't go our way? We don't like obstacles. We'd rather go around them than to go through them or over them. But the Bible is clear. We're not meant for a life of ease, but one of difficulty at times. The book of Nehemiah is a great example of persistence. It was not easy for Nehemiah to see what he saw. It would have been much easier for him to have just accepted the conditions of the day, but he didn't. And then he faced naysayer after naysayer telling him the city could not be restored, that the wall could not be rebuilt. But he just kept his head down and kept working. Of course, we know the rest of the story. Nehemiah was successful because he was carrying out God's will. All along, God had had a plan for Nehemiah and for Alex, but the path wasn't an easy one for either of them. They persisted in the face of adversity because that's what we are made to do. I bet if you asked either of them if it was all worth it, they would emphatically say yes. The next time you're facing tough obstacles, remember this biblical example as well as this modern-day example of persistence. It may be tough in the moment, but it will be worth it. Man, I can't hardly read that story. It was... uh, it was so exciting to watch. I bet. Alex do what she did. Uh, Alex is just, she's a little bitty thing. She's, uh, she almost looks frail. The, the idea, if somebody just saw her and, and said, she's a 19-minute she's a 5K runner, you'd be like, yeah, probably not. But um, she just has a heart of a lion. And, uh, and the problems that she had, they were medical problems. Um, And again, as I've mentioned in the story, I'd seen it before. And in every case, it was like two weeks later, we could get them back to where they needed to be. And and with Alex, we tried that and went a couple of weeks and then a couple more weeks and then months and then more months. And it just just wasn't working and it just didn't make any sense. Um, But I can't help but think about the phrase, the the idea of God giving us the desires of our heart, you know, as the Bible tells us. Um, We think about that verse as if God is just going to give us what we want. But in this case, I think um, he wants us to work for that thing, right, whatever that thing is. And then when it happens to me, I think it it means even more after you see um, all you've done all of that work to get there. And you can tell the desire of Alex's heart was to do something special. And she loves running. And God didn't put that desire to love running in her heart for no reason. He he put it there for her to show it off and to use it for God's glory. And that's what she did. And it was really cool to see. You know, I had a goal of running a sub-five-minute mile 40 years after my first one. Um... That's a long time, right? 
to wait 40. I remember the five or six years leading up to that 40th year thinking, I want to do that, but you, you can't you can't hurry time up. you got to wait for the time to come. Um, but it made it so much – because I had thought about it for years. And and although I was working for it during those years, it wasn't I wasn't working for that specifically, but just the wait. You know, sometimes that thing that we want, uh, that thing that God desires for us, is something that is just a waiting game. Yeah, you know, you know, even uh, I can only dream of running fast like that. But uh, you know, uh, looking to get back to marathon distance, and I know a lot of people are on this this couch to marathon program to to get there as well. And for me, I, it was May of last year when I started on this running journey again, and so it was like exactly a year for, to the marathon that I did on May first. And, uh, you know, when you're looking at that year ahead, it's like a long way away. But that, that persistence, that consistency, that, that uh, a little bit stretching, a little bit further the long runs each time and, and just a little bit further and getting to that, that point, it's, uh, it, is, it is just so overwhelming to get to this point and then look back and say, wow, look where I came from in that year. So it's yeah. just, you know, that I could I say I can only dream of, of, of running fast, but at least, you know, identify with a lot of these people out here that are, that are uh, you know, just working that way up to that distance. And, it, and uh, that, pers- that persistence pays off for sure. Yeah. And for some people, it's running fast. For some people, it's covering the distance. For some yeah. people, it's, you know, it's something not running related. Yeah. But it's yeah. but there's something out there. And uh, it's we don't ever look back and, and look at the mound of work that you talked about with the, that marathon and think, well, I wish I hadn't done that. Right. <laughs> right? We all, we're always <laughs> glad we did it, even as hard as it is. So if you're out there and, and you're struggling, understand that in that marathon journey, you had times where you struggled, right? Absolutely. You had times where it was like, oh, gosh, I don't want to go out there and do that run today. But you knew you had to do it and you went out there and you did it. Right. And you were glad in the end. Yeah, absolutely. You, you went to come back. You know, okay, I'm. Gl- I, I feel good. You know, yeah. and and it, yeah. even when it was so hard to say, you know, I, I really could skip this one to d- today, but uh, yep. just keeping up with that persistence and inconsistency just really pays off and makes you feel good as you go. We all struggle, but be persistent, and good things will happen. Absolutely. If you've ever participated in any sport, you've probably met a great coach. Great coaches inspire us to do more than we ever thought possible. You can be the leader that helps others achieve things they never thought possible. You, yes, you have the ability and the opportunity to be that person. All you need is a heart to help people and the ability to follow a plan. The Run for God 5K Challenge will come ready to help you inspire those around you. The step-by-step guide will direct you how to plan, pray, and train people both physically and spiritually. You can help them become more fit in their health and in their walk with Christ. Share your passion. Go to runforgod.com to find out how to inspire others to accomplish big things. All right, so if you haven't become a coach yet, but you're part of Run Club, why aren't you out there teaching others about Run for God and and how to run their first 5K? It would be a great thing to do. And if you're a Run Club member, you already have access to the materials that you need to teach the class. And so now it's just a simple step is to get other people signed up and and teach them. Uh, It's built-in running partners when you do that, right? So... Go out there and become a coach. 
All right. You know, I can't wait for the Olympics. The Olympics are this year. I hated missing it last year, but it's going to be cool because we're going to get Olympics this year, and then three more years we get Olympics again. <laughs> so uh, I'm excited about that. There so, you go. Talk about the weight that we just talked about, right? right? <laughs> uh, so how, do you love the Olympics? It, it is fun to watch. I absolutely enjoy you know seeing seeing it. I've I've never been you know really to where I. I keep track of the people and the sports and, and everything but it's it's so much fun to watch yeah yeah so are you any kind of a sports fan of any sports at all or is it just well i mean I, I enjoy sports and and such but it's just not just i just don't don't follow you know you know the the people and the teams and things yeah. so much yeah so what's your favorite sport in the summer olympics well you know I, I grew up on the coast so you know once beach volleyball got in there that's you know as a teenager yeah. i played beach volleyball and i love love watching watching that go so it's it's a lot of fun that makes sense <laughs> that makes sense i like watching beach volleyball too of course again i tell you the winter olympics i don't know if you have a favorite winter olympic sport do you have one of those well you know again growing up on the southeastern coast you know didn't have a whole lot of winter sports yeah. there but uh you know as far as i enjoy watching of course the flashy things like snowboarding and, and freestyle skiing you know those kind of things are just so much fun to watch you know what my wife and i love to watch <laughs> what's that curling <laughs> have you ever watched curling i have uh, I, we, I don't know why we just absolutely lo- we matter of fact it's on right now um that's it there's like i don't know if it's a tournament or a league or i don't know what it is but it but we saw it and it's on we've we're recording all of them so we can go back and watch it we love curling i know that's a little strange what about track and field do you have a favorite event in track and field um, maybe pole vaulting. That just looks like fun, you know, just le- you know, launching yourself up in the air like that. So, I've learned a lot about the pole vault this year because I've got a freshman at college at, at our college who is a pole vaulter, and she came to Dalton State and she wanted a pole vault. And so, we have a track team. We never had field event people before, and we've got now we've got a pole vaulter and a discus thrower and a high jumper, and uh, it's it's kind of exciting. But learning about the pole vault, I. If you watch the pole vault, it's cool to watch. But there's even more to that than you even think about when when you watch it. They make it look like, okay, you just run down there, you stick this pole in the ground, and you just, you know, you just fling yourself over a bar. There's so many things to think about in the pole vault and so much that can go wrong. Um, a lot of times when they miss a height, it's a tiny little minute thing that they did wrong. And it's uh it's fun. It is fun to watch. I can appreciate the fact you like the pole vault. <laughs> Of course, I like the distance events, too. Of course, I like of any, course. any track and field event. Yeah. My goodness. Um, any favorite Olympics, uh, Olympic athletes? You know, you mentioned Carl Lewis earlier. That's, you know, I yeah. can remember for, as a kid, you know, uh, just such a big name, just what you, what he did so many times, too. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, won the long jump four times, I think. I think he it? won the long jump yeah. four times in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Won the 100 meters a couple of times. And, yeah, he's... Uh, yeah, he was a uh, was a great one. Usain Bolt was a character. He was always fun to watch, and always amazed. I was always amazed at Usain Bolt because he was so much bigger than everybody else. And typically, you always, you know, the the general wisdom was if you're that tall, it's hard to be a good sprinter, because being a good sprinter, you need to be more compact and lower to the ground. Well, he threw all of that out the window. Uh, <coughs> and then Michael Phelps was always fun to watch for me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Gosh, that guy is just amazing. We've told the story on here before about Michael Phelps' glasses getting filled up, his uh, goggles getting filled up with water and still winning 
a gold medal. Yeah. It's just, that's astounding. Um, you know, the, the, the Olympic track meet too is like, it's like nine or 10 days worth of events, which is, which is awesome for somebody <laughs> like me. Um, cause most track meets, you know, they might be two or three days long. Um, if they're a long one, um, but the Olympics are, they go on and it's like every day I get to watch new Olympic events. It's the uh, track events and it's so awesome because we don't get that any other time. The world right. championships will be on television, but you got to search for it. And then, you know, occasionally you see like the Boston Marathon will be on television. Some of those longer distance, the marathon stuff might be on. But this is the one time a year where track and field kind of take center stage. And that, it does make it kind of exciting that way because you're yeah. right. Because I can't think of any other time seeing it yeah. either. You know, and so you sit down and, and for one time in the four years get to sit down and watch uh, yeah. the, the, the real competition like that. Yeah. So it's yeah. cool. It is. All right, so we have a trivia question for this week. Um, talking about Olympics, since, we, since we're on that subject, we're going to give another Olympic uh, question here. What Olympic track and field athlete has won more Olympic medals than any other? And I want not just the male, but the male and the female, okay, that, that have won the most Olympic medals. Um, let me know who they are. Um, overall, now, this isn't necessarily American, right? But if you want to throw in who the American is and who the international one is in both cases, you can do that as well. That's just, that's up to you. But I want to know the one that won the most. You can send those answers to dean at runforgod.com. Don't send them through Messenger. Don't send them any other way but through email at dean at runforgod.com. That allows me to know exactly who is the first person to answer. We had a lot of answers from this past week. So, um, so go check that one out and, uh, get, get that answer in quickly. It's having to be more and more quickly every week. All right. So every week we share a reason why running is so awesome this week. It is obstacles (laughs) as runners. We are constantly putting obstacles in front of us. Think about it, right? We're, we're on purpose. We're putting obstacles in front of us by saying, I want to, I just mentioned that five-minute mile I wanted to run after 40 years. That was an obstacle. I wanted, I wanted to run over that obstacle. And that's what's cool about running is that we're putting obstacles out there on purpose to make ourselves stronger, whereas the rest of the world is trying to avoid all the obstacles, right? And so I think that's cool. Um, yeah, very, very few things feel as good as... Uh, having that obstacle, setting it up, and then knocking it right back down. Our motivational thought of the week. I like this. It's very simple. It is anonymous, but it is this. Work out, eat well, be patient, and your body will reward you. And it is that simple. We try to make it so complicated. Um, And it reminds me of a tweet I saw one time from Phoebe Wright. She was a runner. She was an 800-meter runner. She went to the University of Tennessee. She's actually from the Chattanooga area, right around where we're (laughs) from, where we're sitting right now. Um, And I'm paraphrasing because I I went back and tried to find the tweet. I couldn't find it, um, the exact tweet. But this was, uh, in a paraphrased way, what she said. She says, um, if you want to be healthy, do these two things. Um, Get up and move every day. And then two, don't eat too many things that come from boxes or bags. You know, just so simple. Just makes sense. And uh, yeah, those two things will make you healthier. So 
I can certainly attest to that thought. Work out, eat well, be patient. You know, over over a year, losing forty pounds, and it's it just absolutely that. Be patient, and uh, and yeah. it'll happen. It, yeah. it, it 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 happens over time. So, did you? How, what kind of diet did you do that through? I did start with uh, one of the the program food diets that you order food and and okay. uh, and that sort of to get myself on a regimen because I'm not very good at uh, yeah. at feeding myself and so yeah. so and I had have problems with food there and, and you know Rebecca to start, uh, spoke about that you know, recently yeah. on this podcast and um, uh, so having a system uh, for especially the first you know, number of months with that and then just slowly starting to work that that exercise in I started running a little bit started biking some and then as went on progressed you know more and more weighted towards running to to then only running but you know yeah. as I built that over time both the exercise and uh getting more discipline with my eating yeah. it just it just shed over over a yeah. number of months, and it just happened. You know. So, are you still using that program, or no? You now, now you're but no, no. You're but I, I kind of exactly. I, I, you kind of use it to uh, to to teach yourself what we know often. You know what we should yeah. be doing, eating. But but like me, I'm lazy, so I, I I take the simple things that are easy just to just to to eat all the time. But instead, you know, now using it and sitting down and, and planning. I you take my lunch to work every day. Yeah, you know, so I, I know what I'm eating and uh, yeah. you know, having that kind of just just a, a system of myself of how I, I eat. And then, of course, you know, splurge on the weekend and and and, and enjoy. But uh, but having that overall kind of system and plan in, in place, just how I how I approach food. It's, it's yeah. a bit different than than where I was in that that eat whatever that felt good and, and yeah. was easy to get to, you know. But how, how, tell me this, because a lot of people listening think that being on a diet and losing weight and just being more disciplined in their in their in their food choices is is terribly difficult it's not is it it's it's not you know there there are times when it's 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 difficult to say you know it's, i i can identify with with the draw of, of alcohol too but you know to, to to want sweets and stuff even even after alcohol that was one of my problems is filling that yeah. with um the, that desire for carbs and and, yeah. and sugars and, and sweets um, but you, so, so there are times when, when that, 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 that draw for those kind of things, but overall, uh, having just that, that system in play, place makes it easy. You know, yeah. I don't have to think about what I eat, uh, you know, when I have the plan in place and I just have it set out, I have my lunch ready to, with me yeah. at work and, and it's just what I eat and, and it's, what it's still good food and it tastes good. You know, it's just, uh, I have it planned out and I know what I'm doing. You formed a, you formed a good habit. Yeah, and over over the course of this year, absolutely, it's now habit and uh, kind of a changed lifestyle. Yeah, that's yeah. so awesome of you. All right, folks, keep glorifying God in your running and all that you do. May God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. Awesome, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.